0: This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 55. Hi, I'm
1: Jared Easley, author of Podcasting Good to Great, How to Grow Your Audience Through Collaboration. And you're about to enjoy one of my favorite podcasts. It's the Read to Lead podcast with my friend, Jeff Brown. entrepreneurs often hear this thing about you should you know think outside the box but i think actually sometimes it's helpful to to make a little box for ourselves and to create some parameters
0: welcome to the read to lead podcast with jeff brown jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever-important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi, and welcome back. It's the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. We sit down each week with a successful and inspiring author to talk about their latest book and their thoughts on leadership, personal development, career, marketing, business, or entrepreneurship. And in today's episode, we get to sit down and have a chat with Chris Guillebeau. He's someone I've wanted to have on the show since it first began last year. Chris is the author of The Art of Nonconformity, also The $100 Startup, one of my favorite books. And his new book out this week, in fact, it was just released September 9th, 2014, The Happiness of Pursuit. Finding the quest that will bring purpose to your life. Chris will be sharing examples from the book of those who have tackled their own quest, and you might be interested to learn that a quest doesn't always have to involve going on a literal journey. I'll ask Chris why pursuing a quest inevitably means saying no to some things. We'll talk about the signs to look for deep down when attempting to identify your own potential quests and a whole lot more. I want to be sure you're aware that Dave Ramsey is teaming up with marketing powerhouses Seth Godin and Gary Vaynerchuk for a one-time event in New York City. You need to be there. It's called Business Gets Personal, and it's happening on October 2nd. Find out more at readtoleadpodcast.com slash Dave, and be sure and use Read to Lead at checkout for $100 off your ticket purchase. Get short, concise, and thorough business book summaries delivered inside the Blinkist app. You can try it free for three days and save thirty percent on an annual subscription. To find out more, visit the show notes page for this episode. Read to lead com slash zero five five. Chris Gillibo is an entrepreneur, a traveler, and a New York Times best selling author. During a lifetime of self-employment that included a four-year commitment as a volunteer executive in West Africa, he visited every country in the world, 193 in total, before his 35th birthday. His first book, The Art of Nonconformity, was translated into more than 20 languages. His second book, The $100 Startup, was an instant New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller with hundreds of thousands of copies sold worldwide. His latest book is called The Happiness of Pursuit, Finding the Quest That Will Bring Purpose to Your Life. And he, of course, is our guest today. Chris, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast.
1: Hey, thanks so much, Jeff. It's a huge honor.
0: Well, I thought we'd begin by having you share with us a little bit about this quest that you recently uh, completed, this journey to visit every country in the world over the last uh, 10 years or so. What were some of the things that you discovered about yourself or maybe some surprises you, you found out about along the way?
1: Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, I've been traveling for about 10 years and I I began just out of a love of travel and I was a volunteer in West Africa for a while and I just decided to to keep going. And uh, I always loved travel, but I also loved goal setting and I loved making lists. And once I started thinking about, okay, how many countries are there in the world? How many have I been to, you know, already? That's kind of how the quest, you know, c- came to be. And I spent, you know, the, the greater part of the last five years, you know, in particular, really focused on this quest and integrating it into my life and spending 100 days hundred days a year uh, on the road for it. So as for what I discovered about myself, uh, I mean, it, it changed my whole life. Uh, it, it was an incredibly transformative experience, both in terms of, of the travel aspect of it, uh, and also through the quest aspect or the challenge aspect and, and the different community uh, that came to be along the way. You know, I was, I was a kind of a shy, introverted traveler when I first began. I'm still an introvert, and I, I think that's great. But I also um, you know, did come to really believe in the power of community and connected to lots of amazing people, uh, both on the road and then through the blog that I started writing about the trip.
0: Well as in your case we typically think of a quest as going on a literal journey but but you defined it in the book as a, a little more broadly than that so so what qualifies in your mind as a quest what are some of the the key features in other words
1: Yeah for the book I didn't want to just write about my own quest my own story I thought that would be kind of boring so <laughs> I, I wanted to go out and say okay like let's look at quests in general as you mentioned like you know and quests uh they are often you know travel journeys or some kind of exploration i talked to a guy who walked across america i talked to a young woman who circumnavigated the the globe in a small sailboat um, lots of stuff like that but um, lots of other quests too and and so ultimately when i thought about okay what is a quest you know it has a beginning and an end Uh, it may ultimately be all about the process the lessons may be in the journey but there is also an end there is something that you're working to working toward at least um along the way. Um, There's also some kind of element of challenge. Usually there's an element of sacrifice or if that word sounds kind of heavy, maybe an element of trade off. You know, if you pursue a quest, you're going to have to make some choices. Uh, You won't be able to do a lot of other things or or at least you'll have to say no to some things in order to pursue a quest. So it is a big thing. You know, it's not meant to be something that's that's easily done.
0: Sometimes the hard part is deciding, well, what is my quest? Uh, What are what are some of the signs that we need to be aware of when we are trying to identify a potential quest of our own?
1: So, for me, in my case, uh, when I started with the traveling traveling was was great. I just enjoyed it. I liked being out on the road, meeting people uh, you know challenging myself along the way but um, putting some structure around it uh, definitely helped, uh, giving it some parameters. Uh, I'm a big believer in not necessarily thinking out of the box all the time. You know, entrepreneurs often hear this thing about you should, you know, think outside the box. Um, but I think actually sometimes it's helpful to, to make a little box for ourselves and to create some parameters. Uh, so in my case, you know, I took the, the, the travel and I thought about, you know, combining it with this matrix. I thought about what I was really super excited about. Um, I, when, I, when I put it all together, that's what I came up with. And, and the more I thought about it, the, the more I realized, like, I have to do this. Um, so I always encourage people, first of all, think about what you're excited about. Think about what you're motivated by. You know, think about what you love to do. If it's something that's kind of weird or strange or not everybody else gets it, that's actually quite normal for quests. Uh, a lot of people who, who undertook a quest or a big adventure, not everyone completely understood it all the time or related to it. But it was something that was just kind of in their heart. They had to, to do it, you know. And then the last thing I would think of is um, if you're not really if it's not really helping to think about what excites you, then you can also think about what bothers you. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people that I talked to for the book, um, you know, their quest was something related to making the world a better place or fighting some global problem or, you know, just combating something that they were particularly troubled by. And so they also found some motivation in pursuing a big dream while also improving the
0: state of the world. So sort of a, a discontent kind of a thing. Uh, once we identify an area of discontent, let's say, Chris, what, what's next? Is there, a, is there a series of questions that we can ask ourselves to make sure we begin taking the next steps?
1: I don't know if there's a series of, of questions, um, but I do, I do really like this concept of, of discontent. And I often say that, that a lot of my work is for the discontented. And when I say that, I have to explain it because I don't mean my work is for the miserable, you know, um, <laughs> but... The discontented or the dissatisfied, there are people, they they might have great jobs, uh, they might have good relationships, you know, like they've got a lot of good things going in their life, but yet they, they long for something more and that 's a lesson that I learned from the hundred Dollar startup. You know a lot of people just really learned or really yearned excuse me, for freedom and independence. They wanted to do something for themselves. they wanted to build their own body of work, they wanted to to create value for the world and get paid for it. So you know, the same was true you know in the research process for this book. I talked to lots of people who, who did have good lives, but they, they were also a little bit dissatisfied because they, they wanted to do something bigger and better. And and so I guess I'm always encouraging people to focus on that. And don't just don't just let it go, you know, definitely be grateful. You know, I try to live a life of gratitude and try to live in the present tense as much as possible. But I'm also a little bit future oriented. And I always encourage people to say, Okay, like, you know, what do we want our lives to to look like? Let's look back, you know, in 10 years, let's look back in 20 years, what do we want to, to do or to have achieved or have spent those years doing And, and that's kind of what leads to a lot of quests and adventures and big projects.
0: You hit it to this a moment ago, sometimes those around us can think this idea of a quest we have is, is kind of weird. Um, what advice would you give to someone maybe wrestling with some doubt or or maybe fear of, of taking uh, the next step?
1: yeah it's totally normal. you know It's totally normal that um, you, you know you have this big dream that not everybody understands, so that's that's why it is a quest right mm. and I do feel like everyone deals with with fear and insecurity or anxiety you know, in one, one form or another. And, uh, I, I think, you know, I would never tell people to just ignore those things because they're very real and, and tangible and they certainly have existed in my life as well. But again, a long-term perspective is really helpful. Uh, for me, like once I started thinking about, okay, what is involved with this project, you know, 10 years going to every country, uh, you know, how much money is that going to cost? How much time is it going to take? And there's probably some other variables and stuff too. You know, I, I was intimidated by it in a lot of ways, but I guess I kept thinking about the future. I kept thinking, okay, you know, I might actually be able to do this like this. This doesn't seem totally impossible. I mean, it seems really challenging, but it doesn't seem impossible. And I know that I'm going to, you know, if if I don't do it, if I just keep traveling a little bit, but I don't really make this my focus, I'm going to regret that later. So I feel like. You know, uh, maybe a healthy fear as opposed to an unhealthy fear. A healthy one is maybe thinking about regret and thinking, what am I going to regret if I don't do this? And, and that's a very powerful motivator uh, to take that next step sometimes.
0: Most of us, as you say in the book, don't live in a state of active awareness of the reality that one day we're going to die. Mm hmm. Uh, but it seems that the the case studies that you include in the book, the examples you include in the book, those folks do have that awareness. Is that is that a fair assessment?
1: Yeah. So I was really interested as I talked to all these different people, and I feel like I haven't really mentioned them too much uh, so far, and I should talk about them. You know, like this it, it wasn't just a book about going to every country in the world. This was all these different quests of people doing all kinds of interesting things, some academic pursuits, uh, some humanitarian pursuits, uh, some arts and crafts pursuits, you know a guy who wanted to produce the largest symphony of all time, just all kinds of different stuff. And so I was really curious, like, what do all these different people have in common? Uh, they are from all over the world, different ages, men and women, et cetera. And one of the things was I did notice that um, a lot of them, when I talked to them, they seemed to express – and more of an awareness or an emotional awareness of mortality. And I define the difference as saying there's an intellectual awareness of mortality, which is essentially that we all know it's a fact that everyone dies. Um, but what, a lot of people seem to be focused on more so than perhaps general population or just the average person was just the emotional awareness that in fact someday i will die so it was much more personal and it's not meant to to sound depressing or anything a lot of them (laughs) kind of talked about it in a positive way like like you know life is short i want to make my days count i want to live with urgency um so they kind of carried that awareness you know around and some of them maybe they had Maybe that came from the loss of a close friend or family member. Um, Some of them themselves had had a close brush with death. Um, Others had just kind of always been aware, you know, on a a regular basis um, that life is precious. Life is short. We should make it count. And I, I feel like just being aware of that may help us to think a little bit more about what kind of quest do I want to have. And even if you don't want a quest, what kind of life do I want to live? You know, what kind of life do I want to live with the knowledge that, you know, after today is done, I'll have, you know, hopefully I will have tomorrow. There's no guarantee of that. And even if there is tomorrow, I'll never get today back. I think that's very helpful in thinking about how we live.
0: How can I know for certain when I've landed on a great idea uh, or concept for a quest and not just uh, a hobby?
1: Well, there's nothing wrong with hobbies. Um, You know, I I have hobbies and most people have stuff that they like to do. I think the difference is um, a quest is something that's very specific. Um, It is maybe long term. Uh, it's something that has those parameters as we discussed. It has a little bit of a box, you know. I think I, I forget exactly how I worded this in the book, but I said something like, if, "If you if you like to play golf on the weekends, you know, that's that's a hobby. Uh, if you if you get really serious about about golf and you you want to play more frequently and improve your game, that's that's great. But that's maybe also more of a passion or something. Like mm-hmm. then, you know, if you say, okay, I want to play, you know, every golf course in Scotland, and I have no idea how many there are, but you know, there's probably a lot of them, right?" If I want to do every golf course in Scotland and I want to do that in the next five years and I set a deadline and here's how I'm going to do it, that's that's more of a quest. Mm.
0: Well, one thing I was definitely not good at in high school, I don't know about you, Chris, was handling rejection from girl after girl after girl. Uh, why is embracing rejection or or becoming comfortable with failure, maybe to put it another way, important to to this process?
1: There's a great story in the book of, of this guy named Jia Jiang. He's a Chinese-American guy. He's a young guy and uh, He was feeling really confident about a job interview that he had had went on. He thought for sure, you know, they're going to offer him this job. And he kind of goes away and he's thinking, okay, how am I going to negotiate for a better salary? And he starts making all these plans in his head. He doesn't get the job and he's crushed by it. And so, first of all, he's crushed by not getting the job. And then secondly, he's crushed by how much he was crushed. You know, he thought (laughs) like surely this like this was a disappointment, no doubt. But, you know, I've, I've been on more than one job interview. Um, there were other people interviewing. Maybe it just wasn't the right fit or something. Like It shouldn't have, have depressed me so much. So he, he created this project oriented around re- rejection and, and decided that he's going to actually go out and actively seek rejection every day. And he, he started asking people on the street different things. He, he would go up to a police officer and say, hey, can I ride in the cop car? He would go into a restaurant and like, bring his own food and ask if he could prepare it. Just all these kind of crazy <laughs> things to see what would happen. And it's actually his whole quest was to seek rejection and to become comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think everybody has to do that. You know, I don't actually think everyone has to um, you know, embrace rejection per se, but I think the other way you put it, maybe be, becoming comfortable with failure or just accepting that you know, if we are going to do something that's kind of big and audacious and involves challenge, um, then there, there is a certain amount, amount of, of risk there. And, and maybe that's okay, but, but we're, again, we're focused on something long term.
0: I want to break for just a moment to tell you about a special event. Special because you rarely get three minds like this together in one room. Chances are you know the name Dave Ramsey. He's the author of five best-selling books and a nationally syndicated radio host heard on over 500 stations around the country. Dave is teaming up with marketing powerhouses Seth Godin and Gary Vaynerchuk for a one-time event in New York City. It's called Business Gets Personal, and it's going to happen on October the 2nd. Dave has the number one book on business with on leadership, Seth Godin has the number one marketing blog in the world, and Gary V is the expert when it comes to social media marketing. This event is going to be packed with information that will help you build, grow, and profit in business. If you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to start a new business, you need to be here. If you're already running a successful business and want to learn how these guys started from scratch and are now the best in their fields, you need to be here. Find out more at readtoleadpodcast.com. Slash Dave and use the discount code READ to lead for one hundred dollars off each ticket you purchase. You do not want to miss out on this event. Read to lead slash Dave. When it comes to business books, sometimes there's just not enough time to get to as many as you want. That's one reason why this podcast exists. Another great way to read more in less time is via the Blinkist app, available for iOS and now available for Android users as well. In fact, they're running a promotion all September long with a 30% off discount when you use the discount code, Android is here. Just go to com slash Blinkist. You can try it free for three days. And if you like what you see, use that discount code, Android is here, and get 30% off your annual subscription. If you're tired of all those business books on your shelf collecting dust that you've either only read part of or never even cracked open, Blinkist is here to help. Each of their Blinks or business summaries are consumable in about 15 minutes. I highly recommend it. I use it every day. Readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist. I really appreciated what you had to say on risk, and I wonder if you could speak to risk for a moment and, and, and how our judgment of risk tends to be relative
1: risk is is completely relative it is completely subjective it is completely perceptive you know it's something where i think a story i told was you know i I went to all these different countries right and some of them have a reputation for you know being being unsafe or being hostile to people from a particular country or background or something and and for the most part that's actually not true like there's very few unsafe you know places in the world Um, but there are some and, you know, every time I went to one of these places, I kept thinking, like, you know, if something goes something goes wrong here, you know, if, if I have a really bad experience or I never come back or something, you know, there's a lot of people who are going to you know, look at that situation and apply a lot of judgment. And they're going to say, like, you know, he was just really stupid for doing that, you know, and, and maybe I was. Right. But then, like, I go there and everything's fine. I come back and then people are like, oh, he was really brave you know for doing that right so the judgment is is entirely based on the outcome it has nothing to do with you know the decision to go or the decision to do it or something right you know i, I feel like if you're if you're actually like living your life you're living it actively then maybe you're, maybe life is risky you know all kinds of, of stuff can can happen um, but again you know the alternative of of not living actively um that to me seems like the the greatest risk i mean the the, the greatest risk is having a dream and not pursuing it because you're worried about something mm.
0: What are some ways you recommend in the book, Chris, uh, for building adventure into to everyday life?
1: So I had this idea of, of writing the book a few years ago and started talking with my editor at Random House. He's a great guy. He's really helped me with the past couple of books. And I said, I want to write you know, about stories of people pursuing quests. And I gave him this example who is in the book, um, this guy named John Francis. And John Francis uh, was an environmental activist. He was troubled by this oil spill in the San Francisco Bay Area. And he decided not just to, to, to protest or to march with a sign or something, but to, to make his life a living example you know, of, of an alternative. And so what he decided to do was to stop using motorized transport. Uh, and he did that for almost 20 years or maybe I think a bit more than 20 years. But then he also decided to stop speaking, and he took a vow of silence. And, and the reasons why he did that are a little bit complicated. It's, you know, it's, it's all in the book, the whole story. But I, I went to my editor. I had this story. I was like, hey, this guy, like, he took a vow of silence for 17 years, and then he walked like all across America, and he earned a Ph.D. without speaking. And like, isn't this incredible? My editor said, that's a great story that almost no one will ever be able to relate to because no one wants to be that guy. They all think, like, that's, that's incredible, like, that guy would do that, but I don't want to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to take a vow of silence for 17 years. And so uh, what I tried to do was also find stories of, of ordinary people who, as you said, built adventure into everyday life. There's a woman in Omaha, Nebraska, who is knitting 10,000 hats, and she's always been a knitter. She liked knitting hats, um, but again, she wanted to create some structure around her project, those parameters I talked about. And so uh, she made a website, I think it's shemakeshats.com or something like that. You can go on her website and request one of these hats, and eventually she'll make one for you. You know, this is a way of, like uh, she, she found something that she liked to do, and um, there's a charity component to it, and she turned it into a quest. Lots of other stories of people figuring out, okay, here's what I'm good at, here's what I like to do, how can I build this into my everyday life.
0: Chris, I want to ask you some questions not directly related to the book, but before we do that, is there anything else from the book you'd like to be sure we, we take away from this conversation?
1: Oh, no, this is great. These are wonderful questions. And I hope that the readers will check it out. And if I can help with something else, let me know. But yeah, keep going.
0: Well, uh, public speaking is a topic that comes up again and again here on the show. Uh, The idea that your success in large part uh, hinges on your ability to effectively share your ideas in public. Uh, I was curious to know what your approach is to public speaking. Of course, uh, as many may know, you put on the World Domination Summit each year. What's your goal when you prepare a public talk, in other words?
1: There's there's a fantastic book by a guy named Scott Birkin. I believe it's called Confessions of a Public Speaker. It's uh, the only book I've ever read on public speaking, I think. Um, but it was extremely helpful to me. And there's a couple of things that, that Scott shared in that book. There's lots of different tips, and the whole thing was a great takeaway. Um, for me, the thing that I went away with the most was understanding that you know, the audience is on your side. The audience is on the side of the speaker in almost every case. You know, the only exception would be if you're a politician or something and you're speaking to a skeptical audience. But most of us are not doing that. Right. Most of us are not necessarily, you know, g- going to hostile audiences and trying to persuade them of something. And you know, that's like a whole different thing. Like mm. most of us, you know, when we get a chance to give a talk like the audience actually wants the speaker Succeed and once I understood that, it made a huge difference for me because I was always you know worried and nervous and intimidated i 'm still always nervous before a talk that just doesn 't really go away, but I guess I realized like i 'm doing these book events like, all across the country would love to see some of the listeners you know out at one of the stops and i I realized like people that are coming to these things they want to be there you know they 're not a captive audience and uh, I just, I just, just understanding that they're on my side and, and I'm trying to communicate something that I'm passionate about and I hope will improve their lives. That to me is the fundamental and everything builds on that.
0: I love that. Among all the uh, leadership lessons that you've come to appreciate, if you had to narrow the list, Chris, down to a, a single theme or a central idea, what advice would, would you give?
1: I might pick two central themes or ideas, but I'll be quick. Okay. Sure. So, you know, first one is pretty obvious um, service and gratitude. Uh, I do try to, try to model gratitude and I'm often I often fail in that regard but that is the that's the yardstick I feel like that's the measurement uh, of a lot of things in, in life and certainly in leadership too uh, maybe something uh, maybe a little bit more tactical but no less important uh, I, I feel like it's really important to give people something to believe in it's really important to kind of get some buy-in and, and issue a challenge and issue an invitation and say like hey if you're you're a part of this whatever this thing is you know project organization business church something else you know like, here's what we're doing together. Like, it's kind of like a quest, right? We're going somewhere. There's a destination. There, there might be a lot of stuff that happens along the way, but there is a destination. There's something that we're working toward and we need you. I feel like that message is really powerful. And if you can focus on that message, if you get that right, then, you know, it's kind of like other stuff we've said. A lot of other, other things may be easier for
0: you later. Well, we would love to know maybe a couple of books that you've read or are currently reading that have impacted you, Chris, and maybe share how or why they've impacted you as they have.
1: Great. I'm looking at my uh, bookshelf now, got a lot of stuff. I, I mostly actually read literary fiction. Uh, oh, okay. I'm more of a fiction reader um, because I am a, a prescriptive nonfiction author. Yeah. Like I have a lot of friends and colleagues who are also kind of writing books, and I, I tend to read their books like the books of my friends. But just for my own enjoyment, um, my favorite novelist is Haruki Murakami. I don't know if you've read any of his stuff. Um, not. I, yeah, he writes a lot about quests, actually. He doesn't call them quests, but that's essentially what they are. Um, so I really like the book A Wild Sheep Chase. Uh, it's probably my favorite book of his. Ah. I'm reading his new one now uh, on my iPad, but that's probably a classic to start with. Uh, maybe in terms of, of let's let's look at nonfiction. Um I wanna I wanna go back to Barbara Cher and she wrote this book called Wishcraft. And it was published maybe, I don't know, 20 years ago or something, a long time ago. But I feel that the, like people don't talk about that book very much, but that was actually the genesis of a lot of other books that came later, which in some ways maybe are more popular, or more commercially successful. But she's one of the first people who really wrote a lot about kind of defining your life and, and, and planning out your life or designing it, whatever you like to call it. You know, figuring out what kind of life you want to live and figuring out how to make that happen. So I, I think she's a great person who deserves more attention.
0: And did you say wish, W-I-S-H, craft, wish craft?
1: Yeah. Not witchcraft.
0: (laughs) Okay. Just making sure. Chris, obviously the book is, is being launched and you're doing a lot to that end, but I'm curious to know if you know what's next on the horizon for you. What are you working on that you're excited about that you're able to share?
1: Yeah, sure. So I, uh, as I was coming to the end of the quest, you know, everybody's like, what's the next, you know, what's the next quest, you know, are you going to go to the moon or something like that? And, uh, you know, I would, I would love to go to every planet in the solar system. <laughs> um, but I actually think that uh, the next quest will not be travel related, at least not specifically. I think that it will involve travel. Like travel is a very important part of my life. I will always continue to do it. Um, but as I mentioned when we started, I was changed along the way quite a bit for the better. And um, I, I want to focus much more on the community that I'm fortunate to serve. And, and so I'm planning to kind of take this message Uh, you know about quests and adventure all over the world i'm starting with 40 cities in north america but i hope to go you know far beyond that so that's kind of my focus right now i'm encouraging people in their own quest and adventure um, whatever i hope to do in the future will hopefully be related to serving the community
0: well, long before I started this podcast a little over a year ago, I read $100 Startup and was a big fan long before that as well. And one of my goals since launching the podcast was to have you on the show. So thank you for being here today and giving of your time. We really appreciate it, especially in light of how busy you are with this, with this new launch.
1: Oh, no, that's great. It's an honor for me. I'm glad to hear that. So thank you so much, Jeff.
0: As I'm sure you can tell, Chris is a really down-to-earth guy, and I highly recommend you reach out and connect to him on Twitter. It's his name, Chris Guillebeau, at Chris Guillebeau on Twitter, but rather than try to spell that, just go to com slash zero five five. That's where you'll find the show notes page for today's episode, and you can link to Chris's Twitter account from there. That page on our website is also where you'll find everything you need to know about Chris, his new book, links to the resources, and other things we talked about today. Again, it's read to lead slash zero five five for episode fifty five. Remember our sponsors, the Business Gets Personal Event with Dave Ramsey, Seth Godin, and Gary Vaynerchuk. Get one hundred dollars off any tickets you purchase with the discount code READ to lead. Just go to read to lead slash Dave. And also podcast.com slash Blinkist. Try Blinkist free for three days. If you like what you see, get 30% off an annual subscription with the discount code Android is here. That's good for September only. Don't forget. I want to thank some folks who have recently left five-star ratings and reviews in iTunes for the Read to Lead podcast. Slow Joe Kitchen says, always interesting and applicable with a five-star rating and review. Helmuth Joe says, great podcast, also gives it a five-star rating. Michelle at Inner North Star says, five stars, and subscribe now exclamation point. And Prof. J.R.B. with a five-star rating says, it's a must listen. Thank you very much. If you'd like to rate and review the podcast, simply go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes. Or if you use Stitcher, you can go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher and rate and review it there. And if you happen to give it a five-star rating and review, I'll mention your name on a future episode of the podcast. Well, that's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time on the read to lead podcast thanks so much for listening to the read to lead podcast as a subscriber we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener become a vital member of the community visit us on the web at read and chat with other members at facebook.com slash read to lead nation until next time remember leaders read and readers lead just met you and this
1: is crazy but here's my number so come in maybe
0: it's hard to look right at your baby but here's my number so come in maybe.